Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it just put your trust in him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. Lately, I have come in contact with several people who are struggling with grief. And it just so happens that this is also a difficult time of year for my husband and I. Our son's birthday is just a few days away. And with Mother's Day next week, you can understand that it's kind of like a double whammy for us. So joining me in this podcast episode about handling grief is my hubby, Raymond. Welcome, Raymond. Hello. You're not close enough to the mic. (laughs) So try that again. Hello. (laughs) Hello. So anyway, um, thanks for joining me for this tough discussion. It's really a testament to how far we've both come in our grief process that we can talk about it so openly. So let's get into it. We're not going to go into a lot of great detail about the loss of our son, only because it's been covered extensively in a few episodes of the podcast already. If you're interested in what happened or you know someone who has suffered a similar loss to the full-term stillbirth that we did of our son, please direct them to the website, Get Happy With Jay, and they'll find some episodes that I think will be very helpful to them in their grief journey. Um, I will tell more, I tell more about my story in my introduction episode, the very first one. That's a good one where I talk about it in detail. And there's also two very special episodes where my grief therapist interviews me about what happened and we go into a lot of great detail about that. So for this episode, it's just our goal to share some tips with you that have worked with us. Neither of us are therapists. want to emphasize that to you guys but we do have real life experience to share and I had over five years of grief therapy where I learned lots of tools that have been really invaluable to my grief journey when you suffer a traumatic loss like that of a child there's no expiration date on the sadness associated with that loss that's one of the first kind of lessons that I learned in grief therapy I wanted to know how long it was going to take to get over the just overwhelming depression and sadness. And I learned that the acute, initial, horrific, bottomless pit stage of grief, that that would go away in time. But as time goes on, those anniversary dates will always be rough. And of course, my dog is barking. Some years are more difficult than others, but you're gonna get through it. And we want to share our experience to help encourage everyone listening. No matter how you feel now, you can make it and actually experience joy again. So as we record this episode, we are doing a short live video for the Get Happy With Jay Facebook page. So hi, everyone. So we are not going to be able to respond. But like I said earlier, before I started recording the podcast episode, that if you do have comments or questions please leave them and I will respond to each of you later. So we're gonna stop the live recording at some point because I want you to listen to the whole podcast episode in its entirety later on. So thanks again for everyone watching and everyone that's going to be listening. And I keep getting out of camera frame. So please remember to like and subscribe and share the podcast to help us grow our happy move our happy movement so as we begin raymond is there anything that you want to say to the listeners not really what do you mean not really i was asking you off camera and before we started recording and you had tons to say 
I'll let you. <laughs> Do I have to let you off the hook already? No, I'm just saying I don't have nothing. I mean, if you ask me questions, I will answer them, but I don't have nothing that I want to say to people. Uh, okay, that was kind of the point of the podcast, but I'll, I'll ask you some <laughs> questions as we go along. So I kind of already uh, started to discuss the number one tip. But just know that the extreme emotional pain you feel when the loss first occurs, that extreme pain is going to fade. You're always going to have a certain amount of sadness when you think about your loved one, but it does get better in time. And for us, uh, as a few days from now, it will have been six years. So how do you feel like if you had to, on a scale of one to ten, as far as like the grief and sadness, how is that for you today versus when it first happened? I would say it would be like, I would say it would be like probably like around three. It still aches in my heart, but it's not um, life um, stopping, changing right now. Okay, and is it like a constant or is it just like when it's coming up on his birthday like it is for us now when it comes come up on his birthday and or or if i see a, a kid about or about his age you know it bring back memories yeah i would have to agree because a lot of people ask me all the time does it bother me um to be around and see babies and of course initially it did because our son was an infant but now like if I'm around a little boy that's about five or six years old that is what bothers me and I think as each year passes with his age we'll probably feel that for to see a child a male child at that age but other than that um I'm pretty much okay to be around kids. And being around girls of any age doesn't bother me. What about you? Is it just boys? You know, it's just boys. Um, at first it was any kid, girl or boy, when as a baby. But then as time went on, it just changed to just boys. Yeah, that would have been his age. So, But, yeah, um, it is nice to know that that initial horrific grief really did pass and for me to get out of that that initial I guess I keep calling it acute stage of like when it first happened I think like the first six months to a year were like the absolute worst especially the first six months and then after that each day got a little bit easier wouldn't you agree um (laughs) No, uh, not for me. Uh, so how long was it, do you think, before you actually started? And I can't say normal because after this happens, um, I don't think you're ever 100% the same. And I, we discuss this in grief therapy a lot that after experiencing this kind of an acute, it's a trauma, like this acute trauma of a loss like this, you come to a point of having kind of like a new normal that well, you have to adjust to that you may never exactly be the same but you can still be a great version of yourself it just takes time so I think it took like three years for me to start feeling back normal three years wow that's a long time I don't know how long it took I think and we'll talk about like experiencing joy and happiness a little bit later in the episode So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it definitely took some time. So one thing I would also like really emphasize is do not let anyone tell you how you're supposed to grieve. Everyone handles grief differently and that's okay. Even within your family, each person will have a different response. It doesn't mean that they love the deceased any more or less than you do. And that was one of the biggest lessons I had to learn Because, like, for you and me, we both experienced the same loss. It's our son. And initially, I thought you were supposed to express your feelings the same way as I did. And you didn't. And that was really frustrating to me. Like, 
I immediately uh, sought grief therapy, like within days of the loss, I just immediately started therapy. And I thought that you should go with me and you didn't. And sometimes I was like angry that you wouldn't go to therapy with me. And my therapist really helped me realize that it's perfectly fine to deal with it in a different way. For example, I constantly wanted to talk about what happened and to constantly talk about our son, but it was really painful for you to talk about. So I had to learn to respect your boundaries and, and to be supportive of how you chose to grieve. What did you think about that? <laughs> be closer to the mic. <laughs> um, I, I internalized a lot of pain and I had to work through it. But and every time somebody will bring it up, like you, it made the pain come back to the surface. And if I would have just given into into my emotions, if I would just give it into my emotions, I think that I would have broke down and would have been able to function. Yeah, that that's possible but I think it was good that you were able to recognize that that's how you had to handle it to protect yourself yeah. so, and there's nothing wrong with that did you ever experience any people like other than me who was trying to tell you how to handle it were, were other people trying to make you handle it in a different way or no um, most time people just giving their opinion of, of what what was going on which really irritated me because they didn't they didn't know what was going on in my mind yeah I think people were really awkward with how to handle it like some people um, were very appropriate and really supportive other people were awkward and uh, that was one of the things too that the therapist helped me learn and deal with was how to be accepting of what other people had to say and how that they were processing it and that no one has the perfect thing to tell you how to deal with this. I mean, it, with a loss like this, especially if you haven't experienced this type of loss, then heart, there's no perfect thing to say to make someone feel better. I mean, we heard every cliche in the book, like God won't put any more on you than you can bear. Lots of different things like that that weren't necessarily helpful, but I had to realize that none of it was coming from a bad place. People were just trying to say something to help us feel better, and it just wasn't always helpful. So um, as we as we go on and move on into the podcast episode, remember to try to be understanding about how other people process grief. Don't make assumptions based on how you think they're handling it because with some people, it may appear outwardly that they have everything together. They're functioning, they're working, they're doing this and they're doing that, but internally, you never know what that struggle is like. So don't assume how someone is feeling. Ask. And if you can't say something that's helpful, don't say nothing at all. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. The good point is that if you can't think of anything that's going to be really helpful or uplifting or profound, don't say anything at all. Because I think one of the things that was really helpful for me is um, after I was on maternity leave because I still took maternity leave because I had to deal with the grief and my body had to heal because I still went through a whole labor so for me it got to a point where I was thankful to get back to work because being at home just got to the point where it was just too much it's like the walls were closing in and I wanted to get back to some sense of normalcy. I wanted to get back to routine, which I think is very helpful when um, it comes to grief because the more silent time I had 
at home and especially alone when you were at school or at work, it just left me time to think about what happened. And so I really needed to to get back to a regular routine. And so when I went back to work, um, I am so blessed to have like such an amazing team of coworkers around me. We are we are like family. I'm so immensely blessed. And they just were all so warm and appropriate. Some of them would ask questions. They would ask how I was doing. But then most of them, they just treated me like normal. And that was so important because as fragile as I was feeling inside, I didn't want to be treated like I was fragile. I wanted to be treated like myself. And I know that for some people it was hard because they knew um, the pain that I was going through. And then of course I was struggling emotionally, of course, but they were just really wonderful. If they didn't have anything positive to say or questions, they just treated me like anyone else. And that was, that was important. How did people treat you? I did not talk to very many people. So, but the people that did know, um, they said inappropriate things sometimes that just made me, just made the pain come back. Yeah, we got a whole lot of, and it, and again, the things came from a place of love because people really wanted us to have another baby right away. And we tried right away too, which we won't really discuss that now in this episode because that's not what this is about. But um, because of our advanced age and things, we already felt pressure that if we were going to have another baby that we had to try. And so we had that pressure that we put on ourselves to try again. But a lot of people were like, you know, you got pregnant um, so easily that time, which it wasn't. People don't realize that we were infertile for over 20 years and that our son was like this miracle, really, that we didn't expect. And it's like, you cannot say things like, oh, when are you going to have another baby? Or I know you're going to try to get pregnant right away. And like I said, those comments came from a place of love because they wanted us to have another baby to maybe lessen the pain of losing our son, not really understanding that another child doesn't replace the child that you lost, that even if we had been blessed to have another child right away, that still would not have decreased the feeling of loss with our son because he was his own unique individual and that we had loved for nine months and expected and planned for and everything else. So another kid just, it cannot just replace the one that you lost. Just like if families that have multiple children, you love each child the same. And if you lost one out of your four kids or whatever, the other three, yeah, would be a sense of comfort to you to a certain extent, but that wouldn't ever make you forget the child that you lost. So. We had a lot of people say comments like that, but again, I had to remember that they weren't saying it to be mean or to really put pressure on us. It was a place of love, and they and they wanted that for us. They wanted us to be able to have um, a fulfilled family that we lost with the loss of our son. As we move on in the episode, um, I'll say that as the years pass, like for us, it'll be six years. And I think now, like I said, that that acute pain where you just feel like you're in this horrific tunnel of grief, that part passes. And the length of time that 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 takes is different for everyone. But I think when you get past that stage where you're more in your routine and you're going on about life, um, there are certain days that may always be difficult and especially from the loss of a child because I've experienced all kinds of loss and I've shared this before in other podcast episodes but I'm telling you the loss of a child is something uniquely its own you can think that you're prepared for death like I had lost parents I had lost one sibling at that point, grandparents, you know, a significant amount 
of close losses and I thought, okay, I have enough experience with grief. I should be able to handle this okay. Absolutely not. It was a completely, totally different kind of loss. And so, for example, on Ramey, who's our son, on his birthday, that day I know is always going to be difficult. And I know for other people, especially some people that I've even talked to recently, um, birthdays of their lost loved ones are difficult. And also, like, the anniversary date of their loved one's death. Like, for us, of course, since he was stillborn, it's one in the same day. But for other people, like, if they, they've been killed in an accident or died of an illness or whatever, they have maybe two days a year that can be almost unbearable for them. And so, for me, I say that you just have to know going into it it's like automatically even if i'm not thinking about his birthday coming up i will start feeling like a little depression i think it, it and it's weird because it like kind of creeps up on me and kind of rolls in like a slow fog and there are some years that i'm like oh why am i feeling down and i don't think about I don't equate it right away to our son's birthday coming up and then I'll remember because it usually starts like for me maybe the end of March going into early April it's like I'll have this physical response it's not even necessarily connected to my brain because your body always remembers any kind of trauma you go through and you know it's that weird mind body connection and sometimes disconnection but I will feel it coming on and then I have to remind myself why it's happening because I'm not normally, thank God, a person that suffers from depression um, and my heart absolutely goes out to the people that do because I, I just can't imagine feeling that way 365 days of the year. So like I said, my heart goes out to people who do suffer chronic depression, but for me, it'll like try to creep up. And I have to remind myself, oh, okay, that I'm feeling like this because it's almost his birthday again. And so I try to like, not necessarily trick myself, but I'll try to keep myself busy and just be mindful of that's why I'm feeling the way I do. So when do you start to feel it? Are you like me in that when it's coming up on his birthday, do you start to feel more or remember more or think about him more? How does it affect you every year? You want me to tell the truth? Uh, yeah, that's the whole point, to help people. I try. I just forget about everything. I forget about the days and everything. You do, but how yes. are you able to do that? I, and I think maybe that's because men and women are different in that way. How do you not think about it? And especially because I'm reminding you of it. You remind me of it, but I still force myself to forget and just do other things and not remember. That way I don't have to deal with the pain and I don't have to deal with um, the sadness that comes with remembering. I don't know what to say to that because it's just so different for me because I just acknowledge it. And again, that that's okay. It's okay that that's how you handle it. I just hope that by internalizing it, it doesn't like manifest itself in other ways. You know what I mean? And I think maybe that's why I'm a firm believer in like letting the feelings out because I don't want to internalize it and then have it, you know, become some sort of a health issue or something. I don't hold on to pain and anger. I let it go by prayer, but I don't remember don't remember the dates or the thing or the or the situation that that happened so I don't have to remember the pain well that's one way to handle it <laughs> but just know that when these days come um I like to try to keep myself busy and distracted and of course like um we'll go to the cemetery on his birthday and that has really changed because when we first lost him, every month on the 7th, I felt like I had to go to the cemetery. Like, well, well, when it very first happened, I think we were going like 
almost every day and then every day dwindled down to maybe once a week and then it went to okay we'll go every month on the 7th because I wanted to like keep up the grave site and things like that and we did that for about maybe the first what three years we would go every month on the 7th and it was painful yes I think it was more painful for you than it was for me um, I took a source of comfort in being there some of the times but as time has passed now I just go once a year now on his birthday and it just got to the point where it became too much and like every time we went I just felt overcome and overwhelmed with sadness to the point where it didn't feel helpful and I felt like it was making me be stuck emotionally and it's like it's so sad because it's like how many different ways can you say I miss you I love you I wish you were here just over and over and over again so how do you feel now going to the cemetery versus after we first lost him I think I can handle it a lot better than than from the beginning of the situation um, I think it's more turned into more of an honor honor instead of a chore yeah I understand that it's like now it's to memorialize him in mm-hmm. a way and then of course we still want to like keep up his grave site and make sure his tombstone is not overgrown and things like that so that's our way of honoring him um, as well. And I think, you know, that leads me into my next tip or my next point is keeping your loved one's memory alive in your own special ways and you can find different ways to honor them. Like one of the, my big ultimate goal to honor our son is it's my desire to have a foundation in his name that will help people to have families Um, like when we were going through fertility treatments we did it twice I was blessed in that my insurance covered pretty much all the costs well my first like when we first um, did fertility treatments I had a different insurance and that particular insurance was awesome I mean I didn't pay hardly a dime out of pocket Um, And then later on when we um, tried fertility treatments again after we lost our son, I had a different insurance carrier. And it was a little bit more costly for us, but it was still affordable. But there are so many insurance companies that do not cover fertility treatments at all or hardly any. And we had even briefly, and I mean briefly, considered adoption. And one of the things that turned me off of adoption was the cost. I mean, the cost was outrageously expensive. It's like, okay, what person has, like, the average person has $50,000 to, like, adopt a child? And like I said, it was only a brief thought anyway, and there were many other reasons why we didn't go that route. But the cost, I thought, was absolutely ridiculous to even do it or even if you were like adopting embryos or adopting eggs or whatever it was still so expensive so one of the things that I would love to eventually do with the foundation in Ramey's name is to uh, be able to help families afford at least maybe one round of fertility treatments or if they've if it's a family that's already exhausted the fertility options and that's not going to work and they're moving on to adoption to maybe help them cover some adoption costs and I would love to be able to help create healthy beautiful families in that way in his um in his honor now that like I said that's a big goal and we definitely do not have the funds to do that now but that's something that we will be working on in the future but there are so many simple ways I think that you can uh, memorialize your loved ones. And one thing is like what we talked about, just a simple thing of going to the cemetery, uh, placing flowers there, upkeeping the grave, taking people with you, because I found that a lot of people 
told me that had especially lost children that they would take other family members or other children and like have picnics at the cemetery which that's something that I don't necessarily have a desire to do at this point but I can understand why and I thought that was beautiful because it was their way of letting uh, children that came after know that you had a little brother or a little sister that that's now an angel so that's a way um, I've heard some people like will bake cookies or take flowers to their doctor's office on the date of their child's birthday or something to honor the people that helped them through a difficult time or thank someone in a special way that was there for them during the death. I mean, there's those are just some examples. There's just so many different ways. And I think this year is really the first year for me that I have thought about wanting to do something other than of course going to the cemetery so we had discussed like like for example the funeral home that handled our son's arrangement they were so incredibly kind to us and they made us feel like family and that they really took the time to care for us and even beyond the funeral following up with us to make sure that we were okay so I told Raymond like you know maybe we'll take some flowers into them or go in and visit them and just tell them how awesome it was for them to be so supportive because it could have been just like a regular business arrangement but it wasn't they really took the time to spend with us and you know things like that I will never ever forget so I'm still thinking about what we want to do but I want to do something more than just the cemetery this time. And I already did spoke to, um, I spoke to someone from my church that had uh, come up to the hospital the first night I was there as I was having to go into labor. And um, it was our pastor's mother who came up and she sat with me for a couple hours that first night. And I told her today after church, like, I don't know if I ever properly thanked you for what you did, but just your calming, wonderful presence and how you sat there and you prayed for me and just being there when she didn't have to. I mean, or she could have just came in and, and said a quick prayer for us and then left, but she didn't. She like sat there for it was at least two hours or more. And even though she didn't say a lot because I just was not up for a conversation, just her quiet, calming presence there meant so much. And just I just felt the need today to just reach out to her after church, and I told her just how amazing it was for her to be there. And, you know, it, it felt nice to be able to tell someone about that and that they were so helpful in that moment, and she really appreciated hearing it too. So do you have any ideas about what you want to do this year? I will leave that up to you. <laughs> so you're going to trust my judgment? That yes. might be dangerous. <laughs> so anyway, you guys, you know, find different ways to like keep your loved one's memory alive and to other people out there who are supporting someone that, that's had a loss like this. Try and be mindful. Of course, you can't always remember but if you do remember that it's coming up on that on their loved one's birthday or death anniversary or something, do not be afraid to say something to the person and ask them, you know, I know what's coming up on their birthday or whatever. How are you feeling? Do you need anything? You know, because we, well, especially me, not everyone, because of course, Raymond, you feel different about this, but I don't mind talking about my son. And any opportunity I have to talk about him or that experience, I love it. And I just like jump at the chance to be able to talk to him because as time goes on, I think people um, see that you've healed and sometimes they can almost like forget what you've been through, especially like when you're not a broken hot mess every day and, and you appear, you know, to be normal that you've gone back to your old self and 
it's not necessarily that they forget, but you know, you just get back into your regular routine. So if you remember those special dates for someone, um, mention it, maybe give the person flowers or something. And I, they will more than likely really appreciate the effort that you've taken to remember their loved one and to help memorialize them as well. So don't be afraid to like reach out or say something. And if you get a negative response, because like I said, everyone handles grief differently. There may be people that, that may get offended that you brought it up, like feeling like, okay, I've gotten past this. Why would you bring this up again? You know, you might get that response. And if you do just apologize and say, you know, I'm sorry, I just wanted to be mindful and let you know that I hadn't forgotten, you know, something like that. So don't be afraid to ask. Any other thing you want to add to that, Raymond? <laughs> no, I'm just fine. <laughs> so <laughs> you're just fine. And so for you, basically, everyone out there that knows us, don't say anything to Raymond about it. If you want to say anything about it, you can say it to me. On the, um, going on to another tip on those days that might be difficult your loved one's birthday or the anniversary of their death allow yourself to release your grief if that's what you choose to do like for me I know I'm going to be sad on his birthday and if I feel like I need to cry I'm going to allow myself to cry but I only give myself so much time to do that because I don't want to get stuck because I think it can be easy to slide back into that and feel like it just happened and you're going through everything all over again. I don't want to lose the progress that I've made. So I will allow myself to cry and feel whatever I need to feel. And then I'm like, okay, Jay, get it together. You've cried X amount of time you got it out move on next tip which I think this is the one where you can be even more helpful than me that if you are a person of faith I think it's important to lean on your faith especially in the difficult moments and for me after we first lost Ramey I really really relied on my faith I mean, I think people probably thought I was nuts because every time the doors of my church were open, those first couple of months, especially when I was at home on maternity leave, I was at church for whatever, like service. I remember going to a wedding of all things because it was comforting to for me to be at church. It was a distraction. It was a place that felt peaceful and comforting to me initially and I say initially because as the months passed I found myself once I got into like the angry stage I got angry at God and when I was going through that I had a crisis of faith to where I really had to fight to continue to be a believer and it was hard because I thought about like never going to church again because I had all these feelings of, okay, I've been a Christian all my life. I've tried to be the best person I can possibly be. Not perfect, mind you. <laughs> Made plenty of mistakes in my life. But I felt like, how can this happen to us? Especially how it happened and how, like, how do we go through 20 years of infertility and then out of the blue with no assistance get this miracle and then at the last second have this miracle snatched away from us and so when I started thinking about that I was so angry at God and I had so many questions that couldn't be answered that then I did the opposite and my faith wasn't comforting to me but it was to you and I think by you maintaining your faith it helped to bring me back around and to be able to eventually again lean on my faith. So how were, did you ever have moments where you were angry at God or was it just me? Yes, I was, I had a moment when I was angry at God and I think that I said something angry to God and he responded, my grace is sufficient. Get up from there and stop praying. And 
and start praying? Stop praying. Oh, he told you to stop praying. My grace is sufficient because I was praying in a, I was praying in an angry tone, angry voice towards God. So he told me my his grace was sufficient. Stop praying. And then as I calmed down and started realizing that God is sovereign and he can do what he wants to do and I accepted his will then my healing started happening through God and I was able to to start accepting his will and and learning how to just exist in with God so if that makes sense I think it does and for me honestly my grief therapist helped me with my faith journey because you know I was expressing to her like how angry I was at God like I was like PO'd and like and kind of similar to you when I when I would pray I would have an attitude <laughs> you know what I mean I was angry and she told me to just let that out tell God that I was angry and she was like and he understands he understands your grief he understands your sorrow and he understands your anger because in the church I grew up in we were always told I mean this was like one of the big tenets of that faith and that denomination was like you never question God like you don't dare question and then she helped me to see that it's normal to have questions as a human being God made us to be inquisitive we have questions about everything so of course we're gonna like wonder why God allowed this to happen and it's so frustrating even especially like if you don't have an answer to why and that was a big big hindrance in my healing was after we got the baby's autopsy results back and they were inconclusive like all of his vital organs were normal his brain was normal he didn't have any diseases uh, or anything that they could pinpoint to see why like their best guess was it was perhaps a cord issue but then there was nothing wrong with the cord when it came out and so it was like so frustrating to have that Un, that'll forever be an unanswered question for us as to why it happened and that made me angry at God too like can I at least get an answer so um, the grief therapist let me know that God understands he knows and he understands my anger and just tell him I'm angry be honest about my feelings because he knows it anyway and that was comforting to me to know that God understands this pain so that also helps me get back to my faith. And I'm thankful for my faith because it has been um, a sense of comfort. And I'm glad to have gotten that back even after having had the crisis of faith. And to know and have to accept that you may not get an answer as to why your loved one passed or why this had to happen so you have to get to this place of acceptance that it happened you can't undo it and blaming yourself or questioning yourself is, is useless too well i think the most hardest i think the most hardest part for me was by all points the baby should have been alive there was nothing wrong nothing wrong with his brain nothing wrong with his body organs Nothing wrong with the umbilical cord. He should have been living and breathing. And it just wasn't. So, um, it was just a blank question. Why? Yeah, and that's tough because I still have my moments of why. Mm. I can't, you know, sit here and honestly say that I'm 100% past that and that I don't have questions still because I do and in my moments of sadness and sometimes I get angry not really too much anymore like if I allow myself to think certain thoughts then yeah I'll conjure up anger but um, 
I've learned that that is useless, that it's useless to blame anyone at this point because we don't know what happened. So, you know, that's been one of my prayers is like, Lord, help me to accept the situation that I can't change. We can't undo it. And to our last point before we get out of here, because I think this podcast is running a little bit long, um, is that I want you all to know that you can definitely eventually experience happiness and joy again. And we've talked about this on the on the podcast before, that for me there's definitely a difference between happiness and joy. Joy came first because for me, especially as a believer, joy is something that you don't give yourself to me that's the the god-given positive emotion that comes from above and you know we used to sing a song in church that this joy i have the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away i started experiencing these you know moments of joy probably a year to two years after his death and it would come on unexpectedly I'd have these moments that I didn't, not that I forgot about my son, but that I was trying to like go about a normal day. And I'm normally a pretty joyous person. And in the beginning, when I started to experience joy again, I felt guilty. Like, how dare I feel joy when my son is gone? And I had to work through that with my therapist as well. And she said something that was so profound to me that was so simple but helpful. And she said, you have to look at it like this. If you had been the one that passed and your son lived and your husband was left living, she was like, you know you would want them to experience joy. You would want them to experience happiness you wouldn't want them to just be stuck in grief and to be miserable. And she said, your son is the same way. If he could talk to you, he would say, I want you to be happy. I want you to have joy. And I thought about it in that way, and I'm like, you're right. He wouldn't want to be looking down at me from heaven, seeing me be this miserable sack. So I began to be able to accept and appreciate those moments of joy and you know they increased over time now for me happiness was a little bit different because happiness is a choice and that's one of the things that we talk a lot about on this wellness podcast is that you can choose to be happy and so I remember the day that I said you know and actually it was a song that helped me by Kirk Franklin Wanna Be Happy was the name of the song, and I think it came out about maybe four years ago or so. And I remember hearing that song, and it registered to me on such a deep level because the song talks about choosing to be happy. And then I I remember sitting there listening to the song thinking, you're right, happiness is a choice. (laughs) I can choose to, to still be miserable, or I can choose to be happy. And from that point, that became that started the journey towards wanting to working towards being happiness, and eventually, the podcast grew from that. So you talk about joy and happiness, and how long it took you to experience either emotion. The joy came back at about a a week of praying and seeking God, but happiness. The happiness took years, I, th- I believe, um, because every time I would see a child, would uh, I would imagine the baseball games that we should be going through. How we'll teach them how to throw a ball, or or um, we go to wrestling, um, the wrestling events that comes comes here in town. Or you know, just something, some guy stuff that we that we could be doing, going fishing, or you know, I will always see a kid, and those things will pop in my mind. What we, what we are not going to experience uh, as a father, father and son. So, um, happiness took years to come back, 
but jo- the joy and the joy of life just joy itself took about a week I wish mine had just taken a week it took way longer than that but that is so awesome and, and I will um, leave you all with this that even in your loss uh, one thing that I have learned is to appreciate the people that are in my life my family number one my friends um, I think I, I appreciate people in a whole new way that I didn't before because I think sometimes we're not mindful of that unless something like this happens sometimes that makes you mindful of the people in your life and so I am grateful for that and now I really do appreciate the people in my life and I don't always get it right and reach out and I know people still complain someone did today that I saw that why didn't you get back to me and it's like well, I'm busy and I get a little caught up in life. And like I said, this is a difficult time. So, but overall, I think I do a better job of reaching out to people and appreciating people and showing them that I appreciate them. And so I encourage you to do that too, that even in your losses, remember what you have, because sometimes you can get so caught up in who or what you've lost that you can't see right in front of you what you have. And I guarantee there are some people that are rooting for you and that care about you and just learn to appreciate them even in your times of loss. So thank you, hubby. How does it feel getting this over with? It feels great. (laughs) So now it's like time to wrap up so I can feed you. So I hope you've been able to get something out of our tips on how we handled grief and what we've learned. And we would love to hear from you. Send us a message on the Get Happy With Jay Facebook page or at the website, gethappywithjay.com. If you have any questions, we'll be more than happy to answer as best we can. Again, we're not therapists, but we can definitely share with you what has worked for us. I always encourage people to seek further help if you need it. If you find that you just can't get over that acute stage of grief that's so painful that it's really hard to cope, please see a therapist. There are grief specialists that can help. You also may get depressed enough to need medication to get you through the roughest patches, and that's okay too. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're crazy. Just take care of yourself. It is so important, and allow others to help you as well. So thanks to the people that watched our brief little Facebook video. It started like doing its thing where it was getting stuck. So we just ended the video abruptly. And thanks to those of you who are listening. So until next time, do something to make yourself happy. It's not selfish. It's self-care. Bye for now. Tell me how to get happy.